0: Hey, quick question before we start the show. Are you an online store owner or thinking of becoming one? Are you working hard but not getting enough customers or sales? If so, I have good news. In the Founder Sidekick program, I share 20 years of business experience and insights from interviewing hundreds of successful e-commerce experts with you. Running an e-commerce business is hard. Don't feel stuck. Visit ecommercecoffeebreak.com slash start right now to get started. One more time, that's ecommercecoffeebreak.com slash start. And now let's start today's episode. This is episode 203 of the Ecommerce coffee break podcast. Today, Nathan Abbott of growtrio.com joins me on the show and we talk about the impact of email marketing and community empowerment on e-commerce revenue. So let's get started. This This is is the the E-Commerce Coffee Coffee Break. Break. A top-rated Shopify growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host klaus lauter and get marketing advice you can't find on google welcome 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 to the the show show. hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce coffee break podcast today we want to touch on email marketing we have spoken about email marketing in the past but we want to look at it from a slightly different angle and see how merchants can get more out of it. With me on the show today, I have Nathan Abbott. He is the founder of Growtrio.com. That's a six-figure marketing agency that works with businesses in the UK, US, and Asia. He has more than 10 years' experience in strategy, consumer psychology, copywriting, and design, and he specializes in scaling e-commerce brands through enhanced lifestyle marketing, leveraging the power of email and SMS marketing. Before Growth Trio, he was a founding marketing member of NGX, a world's first genetically personalized nutrition business and e-commerce store. With his strategic marketing skills, he played a vital role in scaling the company's valuation from $1 million to more than fifteen billion U.S. million. So let's welcome Nathan to the show. Hey, Nathan, how are you today?
1: I'm very well. It's good to meet you, Klaus. I'm just glad to be on the podcast. You're welcome. Nathan, we're both big fans of email
0: marketing, and there's reasons for that. Tell me why you think email marketing is such an important marketing channel for merchants.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Email marketing remains one of the highest return on investment marketing channels of all of the marketing channels. I think the statistic is around like for every dollar that you invest, you get around thirty-six to forty dollars back. And the things that many brands tend to focus their priority on pay advertising where actually the cost of acquisition on those ads are now increasing, whereas the email element of things, that still changes. Email is still email. The conversion still seems to perform very well there. The cost of email marketing is not going up.
0: Very good point there. Now, email marketing, and you mentioned that before we started the call today, a lot of merchants use it in the wrong way. They just think about a one-way street, just get the word out and hopefully people buy but there is a much broader aspect to it. Talk me through it.
1: Yeah, sure. So obviously a lot of brands will have their campaigns that go out, their promotional calendar, and they'll be getting customers that come on board through their ad spend and through email marketing. But the thing is we spend, or merchants spend a lot of time guessing what customers or their consumers want. And what I found through working with hundreds of e-commerce brands is actually when you change that into a two-way street, When you actually start asking your customers what they want or how they can improve, or even asking your list on the welcome flow, for example, if they haven't bought yet, you can frame questions on why. You can start to gather really valuable data that can inform your decision-making process moving forward so that not only do you benefit your email marketing efforts, but you can still pull those insights into other marketing areas like your pay ads, like your website to really refine that omni-channel experience of what you're sending to the customer. I
0: have the feeling a lot of merchants are just too shy to ask their customers and I'm not sure what to ask and when to ask. So what would be a strategy to really, from the first point of contact, to ask people the questions that
1: matter? Sure, it's a great question. I think we have to keep email in mind as a very personal form of communication, I think a lot of merchants forget and they really cold sell a lot of things to their customers. And I think we can look at it in two ways. The first one is like collecting information on customers that have not bought. Now, you can make sure that you send this information or like a way to capture their data, for example, like a Typeform. Typeform integrates with Flavio, MailChimp, a lot of the core email systems and you can frame it in a way that's personalized to for example send that email in the welcome flow only to people that are engaging with the welcome flow that haven't bought so you're not just sending it to everyone coming down the funnel but it's more of a personal approach where it's like hey Nathan I realize you haven't bought yet but you're engaging with the website you're engaging with what we're offering you is there something that's like not really taking you over the edge of purchasing and in that frame of delivery, instead of having that copy, you can have a type form being like your voice matters or we're listening to you and you can easily create automations off the back of this that can provide them. It might be price sensitivity, it might be information, and then you can set up triggers to then cause a much leaner process to improve those conversions. That's the sort of initial step for people that haven't converted. And then the real powerful one is when you can get your audience that, again, keeping it specific and segmented. Looking at the people that provide you the highest customer lifetime value and also engage with your emails. If I was to create a segment, I'd select like the top 50 to 75% percentile customer lifetime value and people that engage with emails, for example, like in your 30 to 60 day engagement and you send them the email out saying, Hey. We realize you're one of our most valuable members in the community. Your voice matters in how we move the brand forward. We'd like to take five minutes of your time to ask some questions about how we can improve the product or the service. And in return, we know you love this product. So one person that gives this can have it for free just to say thank you. And here you then have this cyclical process of learning from the people that aren't buying and the people that are buying. I've done this on brands that now make up to like a hundred thousand dollars extra just from the community specific campaigns a month on top of all the information they're getting to drive other marketing efforts
0: from a brand's perspective what kind of language do you use to address the customer is this more on a personal level or is it on a brand's level or does it depend
1: i think it depends on the third party data you capture there's ways that you would want to capture the data earlier on in the customer life cycle. So, you can then personalize it moving forward. A lot of the ways you can do this, because to your point, if you only capture, for example, email at the start of things, you can only refer to someone as a group in the welcome flow because you don't have that post purchase data. So, that's as good as you're going to get, right? You're only going to be like, hey, community, not like, hey, Nathan. Obviously, if you're using an e commerce or like Shopify, you're going to be able to catch their first name from the purchase point. So from then, if you have the data, use it to your advantage. As a way to improve any Shopify listed store out there, you can always add a second two-step pop-up on your website. So it's like, hey, have your email, step one. So if they enter the email and exit, they've left, but you haven't killed your conversion. But then you can use a secondary step where it's like, we also have to know you by name, of thing. make it a bit more personal. We'd rather, you know, what's your name. If they don't want to answer their name, they don't answer their name. But if they do, you can then start using their name in your email communications, in the whole welcome flow or whatever campaign you're using before they convert. So mm-hmm. yeah, it really depends on the data you have available to you.
0: Okay. Most software, e-commerce software, like Labios, they have the differences between a flow automation and a campaign. I found out that a lot of merchants do not mail out often enough. What's your take on the frequency of sending messages to customers?
1: That's a really good question. So obviously you've got your automations and depending on the industry you're in, you can create a pretty watertight lifecycle marketing automation where you're getting people in the right stages. But the thing is, campaigns are obviously sent at a specific time to a specific segment that you want them to go to. And I believe the cadence of how many emails you send greatly depends on the industry you're in. From my experience, if you're like a retailer, like a sort of, let's say you sell clothes, I find that's more impulse. So you're going to want to put that available. You want to be on the top of mindset, top of awareness of a brand in the inbox with clothes over the, like another brand's phones, a lot more. However, if you're sending a high ticket item, I work with a lot of high ticket brands and I would compare the two, I would send maybe 20, 25 campaigns sometimes like on a heavier month if I'm a clothing store because people just open it and check. Whereas high ticket items, they need to think. So there, there almost needs to be a respect between um, usually a much more valid, like a valuable email to educate you. There's a lot more education on the product because it's more expensive. It's not an impulse buy. Like If I tell you, hey, buy a Ferrari or buy a Porsche, you're going to be like, what's the difference? What am I getting out of this? What am I getting out of that? With a t-shirt, it's like, I like the look of the t-shirt. That's why I bought it. So there's, that's another big, big reason why brands need to step away from that cookie cutter approach of being like, oh, we send eight campaigns because we send eight campaigns. I would completely agree actually that sending less campaigns, it's not perfect. I would usually say if you're selling a higher ticket item, you can probably sell less and educate more. And for a brand that's a lower ticket item, you can sell more because most of the time I'm selling high ticket items and we get a lot of revenue through email because of it is that most of the time people do loads of paid advertising on high-ticket items. People don't want to make an impulse decision on a high-ticket item from watching like, a retargeting ad. However, you can collect someone's email and you can really like intricately take care of them through that decision-making process of a high-ticket item and your conversions and your return on investment goes to the roof.
0: No, I love that. I love that. I 100% agree with you. If it's a low ticket item, decision-making process is much quicker, basically instant. And you need to educate if you have higher ticket items, 100% agree. Now, the question is, a lot of brands guess what their clients want, not knowing. And what kind of strategies can you use besides having just a questionnaire to get more out of your customers, to get the right information to really understand what they want?
1: Yeah. Great question that so I would say this is where it starts to get very confusing for merchants and why I think it's very worth it to hire someone that knows what they're doing because it's very time consuming if you don't know, is to start to create things like, you're probably here, I'll elaborate, but something like Octane AI or some integrations, essentially for the listeners that you can put on or integrate with your email service provider that says Klaviyo, MailChimp, whatever, and it enables you to capture more data on your store up front. So for example, instead of going through like a, your usual, and you can still do it this way, there's, you have multiple ways for these to enter their information, but at least you can go through like a quiz and that quiz can be like, let's say we're selling makeup, for example, I'm just really picking something out here. Makeup depends on your skin color, on how you want to express yourselves. There's like lots of ways That might determine why you pick a certain makeup and you can capture those data points before they even hit the welcome flow that when they go into the welcome flow stephanie might like eyeshadow or whatever or lipstick and therefore she gets some flow that's more tailored towards those elements of like the makeup like store whereas tiffany might want foundation for her skin or has a certain skin problem so needs like she can only wear like makeup that is specifically made for like sensitive skin. So you're not ever educating or selling a lead on something they don't want to know. The more you can close the gap on the unknowns on your customer or on the customer that you don't know, because you know they're faceless, right? When they give you their email without that quiz, you don't know who they are. Whereas obviously when you can get third party data, you can almost create a picture of who they are. And therefore you can tighten everything so much that your copy can be become pain point and solution orientated to that person, which is different to the other person. That's really where you go from being like sending it a single welcome flow. That's like everyone's getting the same welcome email to a whole different experience. I just read
0: a case study of someone who did a quiz and they collected 650,000 emails in a year. And these were not shoppers at that point. So this was cold traffic. So that shows you how valuable email marketing th- done the right way is. Now with growth trial, you're obviously helping people getting there. So what's the onboarding process when people approach you or brands approach you? What's the first thing you do?
1: Yeah. So I try and keep things super simple. I actually on purpose limit how many clients I work with because. We're a micro agency. We extend ourselves into the brand. We're not someone that like passes. No, it's all sort of a separate team. Like it's usually working directly with me. And the way that happens is they'll initially book a call because they've identified that why not? Like There's no risk involved. Let's have a call and see if I get value from this, then why not? It's free value. So on that call, we go through essentially how they're currently running their email marketing. So it's like an audit of sorts what they're doing, what they're not doing, quick wins. And then after that call, we create a 90-day plan on essentially what's in like a Trello board. So we work from Trello. We give access to all our clients to Trello so that they can visually see the executional work that we're doing. And they feel very much like as part of the process rather than a lot of agencies where it's like, I have no clue what's going on, following them up all the time. (laughs) Because I came from an agency, so... I wanted to build an agency that was a service but didn't feel like that traditional agency so after that yeah the proposal was sent out we then have a call on that proposal you know is that everything we expect we align like what we're going for just to confirm things and then yeah we sign a contract for the 90 days and then they get crazy results
0: okay that sounds great now Tell me a little bit. We touched a little bit on it. What kind of tech stack do you support? Is it Shopify, Klaviyo? What else do you support?
1: Yeah, it's one of those things of what do I support versus what I prefer. Okay. Um, Because for me, obviously, I'm every brand that is on Shopify. I having being email and really knowing like different email service providers, Klaviyo, is probably going to be long-term the best email service for Shopify because to all the listeners out there, they might not know, Shopify invested into Plavio and so there's quite literally a preferential like partnership between the two brands and we already see that in the ability to form integrations. The way the data flows into the Plavio is so seamless and so data-led that I ideally work with all MailChimp, Omnisense, name one, and I've worked on them. However, I'm invested in brands growth for the long term, and I want brands to have the best foundations. The more you build a company, the harder it is to then migrate later. And having built a start from like nothing to a very successful company, I also now know the value of really trusting that advice because If I didn't build things from that initial foundation, moving data, moving tech can be very tedious and difficult and complicated. I tend to migrate brands to Clavio for them. Like that's a part of the service. Like I do the migration and then I build them and I'll also do the whatever tech they're using in their other system. I'll migrate them over. But yeah, obviously stuff like Optane. I also work very closely with reviews.io. A really amazing software that enables you to, unlike Trustpilot, where you have to visit Trustpilot as a customer to look at the reviews, they can pull in the reviews in the perfect time. So it's like, if you've abandoned a high ticket product, for example, or even low ticket, you can get like a review for that specific product, mm-hmm. like the stars and the comment and the image, or like, even if it's UGC in the abandoned cart. So it's like, are you sure you want to ban this cart? Look at all these amazing reviews for this specific product. And you never get experiences like that unless someone abandoned the cart and then decided to go to Trustpilot. <laughs> so I try and marry the tech that works best for the conversions and driving revenue.
0: Okay, no, that's a gold nugget that you just gave away. That's an amazing feature. Nathan, before we come to the end of the coffee shop today, of the coffee break today, where can people find out and what's the pricing? So how do you charge?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it depends on client size. So people can go to the grocery website and then you book a call. And then on that call, based on the audit and the work required, we then base a fee on this because it depends on what team is involved, like are our design team involved, etc. The process, right? We usually take a fee and then we either the we either increase the fee Based on whether or not we take a percentage of their email performance, I understand being a business owner. Like I'm happy to increase my risk, and by doing that, I basically take a more percentage because I'm really like putting my risk on the line. And then if people don't want to pay the basically the performance doing amazing, I can just also take a retainer fee. But usually, the retainer is no more. It's between seven and a half and $10,000 a month. And for that, they usually get like full stat. As I said, like we built loyalty programs, reviews, automations, campaigns, design team. Like you, you basically can hand it over and then for just get given the results and just check in. That's the plan. We basically integrate into your company for a whole team if you look at the return on it, it's a very good decision.
0: I like the approach. That's not the usual agency approach where, as you said before, you give someone the work and then you never hear and see anything. So you basically get a complete new department in your own. I will put the link to growth3.com in the show notes as always. And I see that you have a growth strategy session there for free. So people should be able to reach you easy and straightforward. Jason, thanks so much for today. There was a lot of really, really good content in there. People have probably to listen twice to the episode to get the most out of it and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. As a reminder, we have a growing community of e-commerce professionals where you can share your insights, ask questions, and learn from other merchants. If you're interested in joining, please visit our website at ecommercecoffeebreak.com and sign up for the community. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to stay updated on
1: the latest marketing trends and strategies for Shopify e-commerce merchants. See you next time.